Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to episode number 116 of the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is Vicky Tate, who has recently swum the 40-kilometer crossing of Lake Taupo. Lake Taupo is a lake in New Zealand on the North Island, and from its longest point, it's 40 kilometers across. And earlier this year, Vicky made the swim, she made the crossing, and is one of less than, I believe it's less than 100 swimmers to have completed the crossing. And she came along to Hell Week last year, to our Hell Week camp in Thailand, and uh, this was something that helped her prepare for the swim. And she was also taken across or led across by one of the coaches that we have along to Hell Week, which is Philip Rush, who's one of four people to do a triple crossing of English, English Channel, among many other incredible swims. And in today's episode, we talk about some of the battles that Vicky had to fight mentally as she was crossing the crossing Lake Taupo, some of the things that she had to do in the lead up to the swim that she found quite challenging, she had to push herself through. And she's not someone who necessarily started swimming from a young age, so she didn't have much of a swimming background, someone who started later in life. And we look into what's the, what's the thing that made her want to start swimming later in life and then build up and work towards something of that magnitude. So it's a very interesting episode uh, and one that will probably inspire you to push that a little bit further in your next session. So let's get into the episode. This is Vicky Tate, who has just recently crossed the 40 kilometers uh, across Lake Taupo. So Vicky, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brendan. So you, um, I mean, we met last year at, at Hell Week Camp and uh, you were training for the for this big swim that, that you recently completed. And I mean, your your background isn't necessarily in swimming. You're not someone who grew up from a young age swimming all the time. Um, you've only been doing it for a couple of years. And um, a mutual friend of ours who we'll mention, John Hancock, he said that uh, he, he thinks your story is quite impressive from going from not being able to swim a K to, uh, to swimming a 40-kilometer straight swim, which... Um, very few people in the world have uh, have really done anything of that sort of distance. So, where did it all start for you when it came to training for for Taupo and, and um, deciding that this was something that you wanted to do? Um, well, yeah, as a, as you were saying, I I wasn't a, a swimmer as such. Um, I did surf lifesaving when I was a teenager, so I spent a fair amount of time at the beach. Did you know training twice a week in the pool, um, and then you know went to uni played football, uh, and then when I graduated uni, a couple of years later, moved to Ireland and then moved back to New Zealand and developed asthma. And so then I sort of thought, okay, well, may as well start swimming. Um, and that's where I started out with the not even being able to swim 1K and gradually, you know, sort of started looking at open water swimming. My first swim was a 2.5K, uh, and that was actually in Taupo. Um, and I remember doing that and you know, getting two-thirds of the way around and vomiting. <laughs> it was somewhat choppy. Um, and then, you know, sort of just getting really determined about that I could finish it, wasn't going to get pulled out. And then each year I sort of gave myself another goal, a longer distance. So I went up to a 5K and a 10K and then the 17.5. Um, and, yeah, after that I sort of thought, well, Maybe I could try for Cook Strait or for Taupo. Uh, and in February last year, I was trying to decide 
wasn't sure if I actually had the ability to do it. Had a chat with Phil Rush and he was like, well, you can give it a go. What's going to, you know, the only thing that's going to stop you is you. You may as well just give it a go. Um, one of my friends who was a um, marathon runner and a Ironman, um, she passed away in February with uh, ovarian cancer. And she kind of motivated me quite a bit. And I thought, what would Bernie tell me to do? She'd tell me to just, you know, get stuck in. Um, she had ran 60Ks on her 60th and 65 on her 65th. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I'm turning 40. Might as well give Taupo a try. <laughs> thought it might be slightly easier than the Cook Strait, even though it's longer. But, you know, different conditions. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So did, when did she pass away? Was it... This year um, or last year? No, last February. Yeah, so 2017. Yeah, gotcha. Well, that's um. And, and so, when did you um, when did your training start for Taupo? When did it? When did you commit to it? And when did you start your uh, your training for it? Um, probably March last year. I sort of started slowly building up. Um, you know, going from two or three swims a week up to four or five and slowly building up my distances each week and then yeah just keep going through the year it was a really long build up probably comparatively to a lot of people and that was just because I knew that I needed to do a fair amount of work um and yeah and that's where I sort of came into going okay well I need to work on my technique I should probably go to a swim camp hence why I came to Hell Week so yeah and that worked out really well because we have so the uh, the person who was in the boat with you or one of the people who was in the boat was Phil Rush, who, um, who's a legend open water swimmer himself. And he uh, he takes people across the Cook Strait and across Lake Taupo. And uh, he's come along to the last two of our Hell Week camps. He's coming along again this year. And so he, um, uh, yeah, it was good to good to have him there. And um, and then I was there as well with another one of our coaches, Mitch Patterson. And uh, I mean, it was it was a, a decent a decent week in terms of the the Ks, but it's become a lot more of a technical focus with some challenging sessions in there. Um, was there anything yeah. that you particularly worked on, or or that you got from Hell Week uh, when it came to your technique and, and what you felt like you had to do or, or focus on in the lead up to to Taupo? Um, a lot of it was just ironing out the niggles that I would have when I was doing longer swims. So, you know, you do a ten k session on a Saturday, which you're doing every other Saturday and you you know you, you your neck or your shoulder might be slightly sore or my lower back would get a bit niggly um and so I had kind of started ironing out some of the neck stuff with bilateral breathing but it was still happening so when I turned up at Hell Week that was kind of my focus was to try and get rid of that because swimming 40ks with sore neck is not much fun <laughs> um so yeah I definitely found that that the technique side of it really helped with that I, I actually didn't have any neck pain at all through swimming across to help her, so that was pretty good what was it that you changed in your stroke to to combat that um head position and uh probably timing and timing of my arm stroke and then the where i'm entering the water um you were entering that, that a little bit too far out weren't you you were um, yeah overreaching a bit from yeah. memory yeah and um yeah and probably just not maybe not slightly deep enough yeah that's right 
Yeah, well, it's um, I mean, it fit, I guess it fitted pretty well in terms of the timing because it was October. Your swim was in was it yeah. March that you did it? Yeah, March. Yeah. yeah, and um, and the thing with that too is you're kind of on on call, aren't you? There's no fixed date, or at least not for for a while. It's um, kind of, you've got a bit of a well, window you, there, and yeah, you get a window of time um, where you're you've got three or four five days. It depends on how what your time's like as well, with how much time you can take off work. Um, and yeah, so there's a window of opportunity, uh, either side of a tide window of Cook Strait, cause obviously Phil's got to fit in the Cook Strait swimmers as well. Um, and then you just, you hang out up in Taupo and wait for the best weather day. So I was actually up there on, um, the, yeah, the beginning of March, which is Ironman weekend. Uh, and my, my swim was actually supposed to be at the end of March, but Phil rang me up and. We had a bit of a chat and then I had a bit of a meltdown and <laughs> spoke to a few people um, and, yeah, adjusted my training schedule around that um, and decided that actually beginning of March was more realistic. That was going to be just my next – oh, sorry to interrupt that. Um, uh, I was just um, already fatigued from the training. I was, you know, like mentally quite tired from having to keep going. Um, and, yeah, Phil thought I could, I could do it then, so – so was that the time that you felt you, you well, I was, yeah, I was going to ask, was, was there a time that you felt you couldn't do the swim, that you that you doubted whether you'd be able to, to make it across? Uh, or was it, or did, were you pretty confident the whole way through? What was it like mentally for you? Um, through training, I was always unsure. Um, and I sort of had these, these kind of key goals of what, what I needed to do. Like I knew that I needed to do a really, big swim and a couple of really big weeks of training um and training in you know rough water as well just in case it got choppy um and I guess having pushing the the swim forward a month that threw me off because I hadn't done some of those things so I was like oh my god I'm not prepared um but during the actual swim I never I was quite surprised I never actually had a moment where I thought I can't do this I had moments where I was like, oh, my God, I wish this would be over right now. Hmm. Um, but I never thought I can't finish this, which was I was amazed by. When I reflected back on it, I thought, jeepers, that's pretty impressive. Hmm. What, <laughs> so, what, uh, was there a, a point throughout the swim where it started to really hurt or was it pretty even the whole way across? And, and how did you pace it as well? Was it just um, – was it just a steady pace the whole way through and you were able to, to maintain it or did you, your speed drop off towards the end as you fatigued? What was it like? Um, it, I definitely got sore. Um, I think I was swimming over 3K an hour in the first 10Ks and then I dropped off a little bit. It got Well, I thought it got choppy. Phil and Katrina probably didn't think it was, but when you're in the water that long, it feels like it's choppy. Um and yeah, I kind of went in and out of cycles of swimming really well and then not swimming so well. And, you know, Phil would say to me, oh, I can see that you're, you're either uh, need some more fuel or you're, or you're in pain. Um, and it was always, you know, when I was in pain, I wasn't swimming as great as I could be. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, by the end, I definitely was a lot slower than the start. Um but I was relatively consistent, I think. I don't know. You'd probably have to ask Phil that question. 
Um, I definitely got to about 25k and got into a really hard space. Um, like multiple parts of my body were hurting. I um, I spent a lot of time singing songs in my head over and over again. Um, and yeah, when I got into that into that headspace where I was like, man, this really hurts. I started thinking, okay, I'm just going to count my stroke and just kept counting and counting and counting. Um, started thinking about what else I could eat next, <laughs> you know, little treats. I knew I had, um, I had a Mars bar in, in my little pack and I had some Coke. So they were sort of things that I was holding on to for the end. Um, and yeah, that's sort of, sort of like, okay, if I get to 30 Ks and I can, can have the Mars bar. And so that kind of helped. It's all you need sometimes, isn't it? Just a, a little sort of carrot dangling at the end of, or at specific markers. It doesn't need to be much, but just those little yeah. little markers as you, you go through. And I've, um, and I, I sort of, I, I did the same thing when I was doing some, some longer swims, uh, like when I was doing sort of a, a 10 or 15K training swim towards Rotto at the, like, you know, the 10K mark or on the fourth lap of a five lap swim it was i'd save something in reserve there and the same thing for for longer runs and it's just and that's all it takes it's just because you you mind play these plays these games and um it doesn't need too much convincing to keep going if you give it the right motivation Mm. and uh, especially when you're deep in the in the hurt locker and you're you're that far well you're past the halfway mark in a a 40k swim but you're not very close towards the end part you know that 25k mark (laughs) Um, it, that's that's when it can really start to to get grim. Uh, well, I can imagine, and yeah, um, yeah. And just... I mean, one of I think a couple of people said to me, you know, and I think it may have even been Phil. Um, he said, "Don't look forward and don't look back," because you know you're right in the middle of the lake, and you're just like, "Oh my God, I've got so far to go." But there were a couple of times where I did. He said to me, "Oh, actually, have a look how far you've come," because obviously I must have been struggling, and I was like, "Oh shit." It's pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, there are, you definitely need those little motivating things that, that help you along the way because you're on a, you're on a really fine tipping point of either, you know, keep going or, oh my God, this is too hard. Um, and as soon, and I think once you start going into that, it's too hard, then it's kind of all downhill. Mm. So you just have to really keep focusing on little bits and pieces along the way and, you know, feeding every half hour always helps because you, you kind of expect it after that long. You know when it's about to happen and you think, oh, sweet, I can talk to somebody for <laughs> for a minute or, you know, I can it takes you out of the situation that you're in just for a few minutes. Mm. Um, yeah, so that definitely helped. I'm curious, what's, what songs were you singing in your head? Do you remember which ones? Um, yeah, I was singing Tom Petty's I Won't Back Down. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It's got a good rhythm, yeah. I think, for for swimming. Yeah, it has actually. Um, and the other one was uh, Rudimentals. Um, what is it? I'm not giving in, or something like that. Yeah, I think I know. Yeah, I know the song you you're referring and, to. And the black seeds keep on pushing. <laughs> oh, they're all very <laughs> very motivating songs. Yeah, well, I'd I'd listened to a few songs beforehand and thought, oh, which ones will well, I sing, you know, because I'd read a few books and, you know, people would say, oh, it's quite helpful because you're in your own headspace and all you've got is the, the noise of the water the whole time. So, 
it's a long time to be in your own headspace. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think that's what I did for Rottnest. I, I had Toto Africa in my head oh. the whole time and I, I didn't know it. Well, actually, no, I, I found out it at the 10K mark, but my skipper in the boat had it blaring from the speakers, but I couldn't hear it when I was swimming. Um, so he had it blaring for about four hours in the boat. Um, but, and he sent me a message yesterday where he, he had a video and, and that song was playing somewhere in public. And he said, this reminds me of you. And it's, it's probably more burnt in his mind than it is, than it is mine, uh, after four hours of Toto Africa, but it's, um, it got me, th- it got me through and it's just, uh, it makes the time go a lot quicker. It's quite funny because you'd think that you'd actually hate the song after it, but not at all. I actually quite enjoy that song. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's, it's starting to annoy me now, actually, <laughs> the, the song. I'm, uh, uh, it just it reminds me of getting up at, I think it was like 3 o'clock in the morning or 3.30 in the morning, and I had it going then before I got ready for the swim. And, yeah. I, think, and I think that's why I can't listen to it at the moment because it just reminds me of early mornings. And I've got a two-week-old son and I'm not getting any sleep at all. And it's just not, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just bad memories. It's, it's deja vu, <laughs> I think. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think next time, I'll, I don't know if I'll go the same song or not next time I do a long swim. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very good strategy to use. And I remember Phil talking about counting your strokes as well. I think he said he'd count to 300 uh, and he just mm-hmm. kept going through that when he was doing these long sort of 10 to 20 K races back in, back in the day. And, um, I found that quite, um, quite useful for the, mostly for the training swims, but I used it a little bit during the race as well. Were you counting to, to 300 or was it just non No, I'd get to about 30 and yeah. then I'd start again because <laughs> I'd get distracted by something that hurt me or, you know, be like, oh, my arm hurts or oh, my back hurts or oh, I've got cramp in my foot. It's amazing how short our <laughs> attention I'd span is, isn't it? Like, yeah. I, um, the only way I could count to 300 was to kind of, I think I'd do it, go to sort of 50 and then count again to, to 50 again, but you know, go, okay, that's one lot of 50, two lots of 50 and yeah. so on. But I guess it's also hard to, uh, to be counting, it's like 242. So you don't have enough time to really do it either. But uh, no, just... and I think it can actually slow your cadence down a little bit. Because if yeah, you're counting it slower, then your rhythm gets slower. So I think that's probably why songs are a bit more beneficial. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree um, with that. And was there anything that was different on the day than what you expected? Um. No, not really. Um, no, because I'd I had the um, a really great opportunity where I got to sit on the on the support boat for one of the local swimmers in Wellington, Roy Sevens, who did Cook Straight. So a lot of the stuff that I was unsure about, I kind of experienced just observing. Um, so that was quite nice. Um, I guess I <laughs> the only thing was not having anybody at the end saying, hello, well done, because because my um, swim was delayed until the, it was supposed to be on the Saturday and ended up being on the Tuesday. All of my support people had to go back to work, so I ended up with just Phil and Katrina um, on the boat and then a, a friend who actually lives in Taupo turned up at the end, so that was the only thing that was really different. <laughs> so when it comes to, is there anything that you that you do differently in the, the lead up to it or, or during the, the swim itself, is there anything there that you look back at and go, I could have done this uh, 
better or, or differently that, that would have helped? Or do you feel like you had a pretty good run up to the, the swim? Oh, you can always do more training. <laughs> I think it doesn't matter how much you do, it never feels like enough. Um, I think I would probably do more training in the actual lake. Um, I did, uh, they call it the epic, epic swim, which is in January, which is a 17 and a half. Um, K swim and you know Taupo and Wellington are about four hours five hours drive from each other so it's kind of hard to get up there for a weekend um, but yeah I definitely would get in the lake more just because of the buoyancy factor um, it doesn't obviously lake to sea swimming is completely different um, so I spend a lot of time swimming in the pool because of the buoyancy or lack of buoyancy in lakes so I, yeah that's probably what I would do differently around training. Um, in the swim, uh, I probably would have fueled less. Sounds a bit weird. Um, but I think I I had way too much fuel on board. Uh, and I got to one stage where I just didn't want to eat anything or drink anything. So I think I swam for an hour on, you know, I just had some water or some electrolytes or something. I think, yeah, those are the, probably the main things that I'd change. What, what was each feed like? Was it different each time or generally? Yeah, so um, I had um, some electrolytes with, uh, it's like a protein electrolyte, electrolyte mix. Um, it's by a New Zealand company called Pure Nutrition. So it's quite good for endurance sport. Um, and then I just had Hawley's Replace as well as an alternative. And so my feed cycles, I'd be having an electrolyte drink of some sort, um, half a banana. I don't know if you guys have bliss balls over there. Um, there's another, like, Empower bars, which is a just a, a nutrition bar that you can use. Um, dates, dried mango, um Eskimo lollies, which is a local New Zealand lolly. Um, and, yeah, cups of tea <laughs> halfway across. <laughs> you had half like a cafe that. on board. Did, did Phil set up a cafe <laughs> yeah. for you? I know. Phil was like, you've got too much food. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, better to be overprepared. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. That's funny. I mean, the Mars bar was only because I had spoken to another swimmer who had done the cook straight. I'd spoken to her a couple of weeks ago, and she goes, oh, yeah, I had a little treat of a chocolate bar. And I went, oh, I hadn't thought about that. And, you know, in the end, that was the thing that got me through because I had some gels um, early on. And after the second gel, I felt nauseous. And so I was like, no, nah, don't want any more gels. And Phil was like, <laughs> you know, I think we're at 35, 35K, 30K, something like that. I don't know. And he, um, he said to me, have you got something that can just give you a, a good burst of energy? And I went, I've got that Mars bar. And he was like, yep, get that down you. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was all, you know, melted in the bottom of the boat <laughs> in a plastic bag. <laughs> but, yeah. But, you, yeah, I imagine you need anything at, uh, at that stage of the swim. Yeah. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't matter, yeah, wouldn't matter uh, where it came from. It just, yeah, that it, that's be pretty enticing now what's fortunate that the you know lake taupo is like absolute pristine clean fresh water so it's not like it's going to be that gross no exactly yeah that, that's right and because I, I did the 
I did the Ironman event there in 2016 and, and did the swim. And about halfway through the swim, I, I drank some water and it was uh, and it's, you know, it's so fresh. It, it comes from the, uh, I think sort of the, the mountains nearby. And it's just, uh, it is such a nice lake. Um, just, yeah, so, I mean, I don't, haven't really swum in many lakes before, but it's just um, very clear, very clean. And um, it's, it's kind of that temperature where it feels just like the, the water is very... I don't know the, the best way to describe it, but um, at that temperature where it's sort of, I don't know, 17, 18, is it 17, 18 yeah. degrees? Yeah. It's just very sort of this, Yeah, in the middle of summer, of... it's normally about that. Yeah. And what, what was it for you? I think it was about 19 degrees. Like it's been a really hot summer, well, for New Zealand. <laughs> um, so I was actually, that was the one thing I was quite surprised about was how warm it was, even at three o'clock in the morning. Um yeah, and I didn't – like there was only one time where I sort of thought, oh, I'm a, bit, I'm a little bit cold, but I wasn't like cold, cold. I was just – probably it just slowed down my pace a bit and felt a bit cooler. And it was when I was like, oh, I'll have a cup of tea. <laughs> um, yeah, so it is, it's a beautiful lake to swim in. And, you know, the only – I guess the only regret is that you're trying to do it as fast as possible so you don't get to stop and have a look around. So yeah, that's this, right. <laughs> we go and get up there and swim around the coast of it or something. How many people have swum across it? Um, so with uh, the like official marathon swimming rules, there's been 48, um, but in total, I think there's been 54. So those other six would be wetsuit swimmers. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's it's pretty incredible. I mean. Uh, one of those it's one of those things that very very few people in the world have done and I'm sure there's going to be uh, more to come now that it, well, it seems like marathon swimming and distance it. swimming is really really picking up a lot and, I, yeah. and it seems like that's a real destination swim for there were um, I mean he, he took seven people actually I think they were all Kiwis or locals um, seven people across Taupo this year so that's a fair amount yeah <laughs> so I expect there will be a lot more yeah, yeah, it's um, if I was ever going to do a forty k swim, that was uh, yeah, that was um, in yeah, in a well, a forty k swim at all. I think that'd be a, a really good one to do, just because it's um, obviously it's the lake, you don't have to worry about currents and that sort of thing, and just the um, I mean, it's, it's so so nice around there. Like we did a little bit of sightseeing when we were there for the Ironman, and um, and just swimming in the lake was was just I, I absolutely loved it it's um just such a nice thing to do so um yeah if i if i had the the guts and the stamina to do 40ks i, th- I think that would be it but um 20ks hey, was just do it, you can do it oh, <laughs> so you, you say that but i got cold in uh i think it was 21 degree water for for 20ks so i um yeah I've, I've got a bit of work to do when it comes to uh surviving the cold but um yeah i, I mean I, I really enjoy the marathon swimming since since doing a lot of training for for Rot Nest, and I can see the the appeal of it, and why people, even even why people enjoy the cold water swimming. You know, I didn't do a whole lot of cold water stuff. We did a little bit um, in the lead up to Rot Nest, but it's just it's such a good feeling after after you get out for from a two or three four hour training swim. You um you just feel feel amazing, and um, I can see why it's it's addictive. And is there is there an event that you've got? that you're training towards now or you're just sort of getting back into it no. and yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny because um so Anna Marshall is uh, a local swimmer 
um, and she's done Taupo, so she's actually the fastest woman to have, have done Taupo. And she said to me, oh, Vicky, you know, you're going to get asked what's next all the time. And so we had this long-standing <laughs> joke that it's like, what's next <laughs> every time I see her? Um, and, yeah, my my answer is always pizza and beer on my couch at home. <laughs> um, but, no, I don't have anything in particular. I'm thinking about going and doing uh, – there's a swim in Lake Wanaka down south, which is a 10K swim called the Ruby. Um, and that's that'll be a lot colder than Taupo. I think it's 16, 17 degrees. So sort of looking at that at this stage, just going to do 10K races and hopefully try and do them a bit faster because – it's been a long time since I've actually just done a 10K. Um, most of my 10Ks have been, you know, in the pool training. So It'll feel like a sprint be good. after. Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it will feel shorter, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it's. I've found, you, at least for me anyway, when I was doing, when I did right now, it, you, your mind can get accustomed to things very quickly. Like it was... I did my first 10K race in December. It was the state champs here in Victoria. And that, and I, I struggled big time in that 10K. Fitness-wise, I was fine, but just had a few issues with, um, with what I ate the night before and the, the swimsuit I was wearing and things like that. And it was just, it was a terrible 10K and I just maybe not want to do, to do it again. But then come January, February, um, I just, I did some, a lot of training sessions over 10Ks and did a lot in the open water that were over 10Ks. And it just, it felt like, felt like nothing. So once I'd done that first one, it, my mind was just very comfortable doing long distance. So it's just, um, it's these incremental steps where, um, where you can do it. And, and I'm training for a 100K running race in September. And I've just started to increase the Ks for in training for that. And when I first started training about three months ago for it, I did a, I think I did a six k run around the block, and I was de- I was dead. I, I couldn't run for the next week because my ankle and my knee and all this sort of stuff. And but then you just get used to it. It's um, the body adapts yeah. very quickly. So, um, but it also it also goes in the opposite direction too. If you take too much time out, especially in, in swimming. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's what I found with my training. Like I had to, I had to be quite strategic how I trained because I because I work as an osteopath, so I'm using my body all day um, and having old sporting injuries from playing football and stuff. Um, you know, people would say, oh, I do a cycle of three weeks up, you know, loading, and then one week reducing your load. Um, and I just was getting sick all the time. And I, you know, really early on in my training, and I had a chat with Phil, and he was like, just do two up and one down. And so that kind of really helped just modifying what I was doing and not, sticking to somebody else's ideals i guess um because you because everybody's individual and we all carry our own stresses and strains and you know our body responds differently to training loads and all that sort of thing so it's really i guess that was the the best thing about doing taupo was actually learning so much about my own body and about my own mental ability i guess as well Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's such an incredible thing to to do to swim, forty k's. Because what did it take you in the end? How how many hours was it? Um, fifteen hours and four minutes. Because <laughs> that's I mean that's a huge I mean that's a huge amount of time to be walking for, let alone swimming. So, yeah. um, it's just yeah, just an incredible feat. So congratulations on 
on such a such a great result and um thank you it was it was just great to well, I was following the track as you were going and just great to see you um make it across because there's so many things that can happen on the day as well that can make it a lot more yeah. difficult from you know wind and weather or your stomach not not taking on the the nutrients and all that sort of stuff but um so it does take a lot for it to come together as well as all the training and all the leading and build up to it so um just just awesome that you made it so congratulations and um no doubt we'll catch up sometime in the future because i think wellington's kind of like my no i wouldn't not my second home but if just when it comes to the amount of swimmers that i know over there it's um it's it's yeah you need to come and do a hell week in wellington i know so (laughs) well half of the um Half the Thailand Hell Week is is Kiwis, so <laughs> it's Wellingtonians. Yeah, that's that's right. So, um, yeah, no, it's uh, I, I need to get over there sometime soon. So, um, yeah, oh, I, it's I, difficult with two kids, isn't it? It is. The yeah, it, it only gets harder um, when when the second one comes along. But um, I'm sure I'll find some space. Maybe maybe next year. I think it'll have to be. But I, I promise. I promise. <laughs> Um, I've got a few friends over there and I said, I'll be there this year. And that was about two years ago. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I keep, keep delaying it, but maybe next year we'll see. Yeah. But, um, thanks. Thanks for joining me on the podcast and sharing, um, your, your swim, you. the details of it. It's, um, yeah, I, I was going to, going to ask you straight after you did the swim, but I thought, no, it's probably give you a bit of time to, uh, I guess, reflect on it and just see what things are like for you um you know a, a couple of of weeks later and um yeah it's good just to see what you what you think about it now being sort of two two months after the swim still feels a little surreal sometimes like it didn't happen <laughs> yeah is it is it a blur to you, you now do you sort of is there specific moments that you remember or is it all just mush into one um memory yeah there are there are definitely certain parts of it that i remember but a lot of it just feels like a bit of a blur yeah, like I remember uh, dawn break and I remember thinking, oh, God, I wish the sun would come up because I'm really struggling with concentrating in the dark and, um, you know, swimming along and, and the the dawn started to break and I and suddenly my granddad popped into my head, you know, and he's passed away and I was just like, oh, wow, and I was thinking about the Anzacs and, you know, those sorts of things. It's like, wow, how does that come into my head? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, that was a pretty special moment, you know. So I don't think I'll ever forget that part of it. Um, and finishing, you know, like we were at the point, which is about eight k out from the finish, and um, this big sailing, old sailing ship, with a, a group of tour people on tour were on it, and they're waving at us, and I'm like swimming along, going, "Oh my god, this is so hard!" But it kind of propped you up a bit. And when I got out, there was a a couple that walked past and they were like, are you the young lady that just swam across the lake? And I was like, yeah, not so young, but yeah, that was me. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, you're amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. And just the finishing was really funny because it was, there was nobody there and there was, you know, these kids playing on the wharf, jumping into the, into the lake and a family kind of playing in next to me as I was swimming in and I'm swimming in thinking, these people have no idea where I've come from and what I've been doing all day. <laughs> They're completely oblivious, and I'm just like, "Oh my god, this is so hard." That's funny. Yeah, you don't you don't do it for the fanfare, do you? You know, you haven't no. got this big uh, this big welcoming party at the the other end, or no. yeah, you know, a finishing shoot to go through. It's um, that's it's kind of how I feel after like after going for a, a big run or you do a big training session. 
um, you're just like, oh, no one knows how like how hard that was, or or even, you know yeah. a big event where you've you've gone through this very challenging experience, but yeah. all they see is just you walking out of the lake, and they're like, oh, she must have uh, just gone for a half hour swim or something. But um, <laughs> exactly, yeah. But um, I think one of the best parts was probably the fact that you know my my best swim buddy was there sitting on the boat for 15 hours with me. And she, um, I remember having a chat with her afterwards. And when we got to I, what I thought was the point, and I thought, okay, I've only got eight cat to go, I can do this. And I stopped for a feed, and Phil said to me, Oh, you're at 6K. And I went, What? 6K? I thought we were at eight. And my friend Katrina was like, No, no, you've got this, you've got this. And afterwards, she said, That was when she she almost cried. And I went, That's when I almost cried. And then I was like, No, pull it together, Vicky. <laughs> So yeah, it was quite cool to have her, you know, her there the whole time and and just caring for me through not just the swim but either side of the swim it was pretty amazing to have somebody do that for you. Yeah. So you, know, you can't get through these things without your community, basically. No, definitely not. And I, yeah, I found a similar thing with Rottnest was my well, my best mate was on the kayak. Um, it sort of helped me with the feeds, and um, then yeah, my wife and Summer on the other end and especially when it got hard with 5k to go and um and i just i just wanted to get out because i was i was cold i was just like all right get to the end all right and you get to see yeah you get to see a wife and son and um and then just have my best friend there as well who was um he flew all the way over from melbourne to do it to, over to perth and um i just i didn't want to let him down either so it, yeah. it's good to have people who are depending oh sort of depending on you or they they care that you, um, how you go with it, that, that community yeah. and, you know, your friends or your squad, squad friends as yeah. well. It's, um, yeah, again, it's those little things that, that make a, a big difference. Yeah, it's a huge difference having those, those support people, you know, even just going out for a swim in the sea with one of the local Wellington swimmers, you know, that's just having those people that you can call on and be like, can you come train with me today? Or are you going for a swim? Good, I'll come with you sort of thing. <laughs> Because, yeah, you can't do it by yourself. No, no, absolutely not. It's not much fun if you're, uh, especially <laughs> when you're training for longer distances. Like the only way I got through training for Rotto was with um, with a friend of mine, Lysandra, because we did our long swims to, together. And I was, yeah. I was thinking, I've got no idea how I would how I would have gone had I not had someone to do those longer swims with. Like I guess I would have just done them in the pool, but it's very easy to get out if you're training by yourself and doing yeah. 15Ks in the pool. Yeah, so that's what um, so Royce, who was doing Cook Straight, that's what him and I did. We did a six-hour pool swim. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was torture. Um, yeah, and I definitely couldn't have done it without him. I mean, he's swimming, you know, way faster. I'm doing three k an hour, and he's doing four k an hour. But just knowing that somebody else is there with you, and you stop and have a feed every half hour, and have a chat, and you know, you're like, right, let's go again. Get that feed down here, and you know how are you feeling. Yep, good, cool. Let's keep going. Yeah. So that really helps. We did. Um, I think it was in November. We a couple of friends that I used to well, used to coach. We did a hundred hundreds uh, at MSAC, which is the main pool here in Melbourne. And we didn't. Oh, I think we stopped after every. I think it was every twenty. Um, so we might have stopped for one or two minutes, and. We like you, you know, you don't say much within the space of the, the hundred hundreds, 
but it's just known that either people are in front of you or behind you or next to you. You just you your peripherals, you, you're seeing them every now and then, and it makes the, the the session go so much quicker. Just like when you're training with a a normal squad. So you know, I recommend yeah, it's just it for, a bit of a distraction almost, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. And like you can get through a a solid four or five k squad session, and you know, it can it can go very quickly. Whereas doing that by yourself can can feel like twice the the time. Uh, so it's just yeah. swimming with a squad or or some friends is is so much better. And I mean, I, I travel almost an, an hour each way sometimes just to go and swim with uh, with some friends because I sort of <laughs> I, I live out of Melbourne now and it's like geez, I I really enjoy swimming with um, with a group of people and yeah. it makes me really appreciate it now because most of my swims are by myself. And yeah. uh, but when I do get to swim with other people, it's um I, I think they're little bit weirded out by how excited I am about training with other people but um, that's right I'm, I'm fine by that but um, so Vicky thanks again and um, uh, yeah I appreciate you sharing your story on the podcast we'll um, I'll All catch right. up with you soon oh thanks Brenton thanks for listening to the effortless swimming podcast if you'd like us to help you become a faster more efficient swimmer go to www.effortlessswimming.com